1: Hi everyone welcome back to the podcast my name is robert
2: i am sam and i'm trey
1: hey we're the three black <laughs> men and we have an esteemed guest and honored guest uh reverend dr otis moss the welcome welcome
3: brothers it's, it's a delight to be with you all thank you for having me on the podcast thank you for
2: joining us for real <laughs> like I was um so we all three have like we all three managed the three black men account. <laughs> so when you slid in the DMs I was like, yo, me and Trey were kind of going crazy in the game. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really big fans of your work and all that you do. Um it's really 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 impactful work. Uh not just the book that you recently released but um your messages and um just the way you carry yourself honestly as a black man um it's uh in this in these podcast streets it can be rough out here um for us so yeah. it, it is always an honor to meet like-minded black men who um are doing the work of the lord
1: mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah.
2: Well, you all
3: are doing it, man. I just want to <laughs> offer my blessings upon what you all are putting out into to the world and to the universe. There are people who are listening to you you have no idea who are listening to you and wow. are being blessed by the work that you're doing. Wow.
0: Yeah, Dr. I, Otis Moss III just offered his yeah. blessings. and He blessed the work we doing. Don't talk to us like we're regular. If you listen to us, just acknowledge what yeah. you just heard and don't talk to us like we're regular. No more.
1: <laughs> yeah, I... So we are going to talk a bit about ministry. We're going to talk about your book, uh, primarily uh, this book, Dancing in the Darkness, Spiritual Lessons for Thriving in Turbulent Times. And I was reading this book around my birthday uh, this year, sitting in the the basement of a hotel, like lighting up the group chat. And one thing that I love about uh, this group of men is we share resources that we are impacted by, right? And so it kind of trickled its way through our group chat and in our conversations, our ethos. And and I just, I want to ground our time by reading a bit of the book and just ask a question. Um, you put, in this book, I address the challenges of these dark times to help us restore to our house a spiritual foundation of courage, strength, self-reflection, creativity, compassion, and faith. And I'm curious when you look over the times that we're in, even since you wrote this book, like what is it that you see as far as the turbulence and how would you assess where we are as a people?
3: Mm. You know, the the turbulence is a continual tremor uh, coming from, White supremacy that is attempting to morph and mutate itself into new ways in the twenty first century. We are still relitigating uh, the the fifties. We're still relitigating the Reconstruction. Uh, we are we're still we still need a booster shot from emancipation. Um, I mean that that's the way that we are functioning, and every conversation. I don't care what it is. It's very f- interesting. The political conversations are shaped in and around what America used to be or what America will be, and that's always framed by the fact that people of African descent, people who are who are Latino, uh, people who are quote they always say these 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 immigrants whatnot, which is a very fascinating thing. In other words, non-white folks uh that they become the majority what does it mean for this experiment in democracy and i think that's an important word to use uh so you have one group saying let's make it great again which is the strangest term because i'm always asking what year uh were you talking about I was like please tell me was this 54 before brown versus board of education was this 1851? You know, right. that you're talking about what year are you talking about? Let's get specific. And yeah, yeah. Give, give me the year and time, the date, because I'm pretty sure, um, you know, I was was an extra on the set, um, instead of being the main character, uh, for 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 make, for making a great. So, so that's one of the things that I think that we have to come to grips with that the original sin of America. Uh, according to one of the founders, was this idea of, of white supremacy? He framed it more so in terms of the idea of slavery, but um, it's this idea of white supremacy that we have to we, we have to face in order to fix.
0: Hey man, I love that so much, and one of the things that i really appreciated about this book is that it doesn't shy away from the reality of turbulence but also doesn't leave us without hope and in, in, in the semblance of charting a path forward like either way uh from the from the beginning I, I love the title just because of the the men who sit around this table right now this proverbial table uh Robert, the host of the the host, what is a host? The host of the Black Coffee and Theology podcast. You talked about <laughs> black coffee spirituality a little bit in in the book, and can you um just walk us through a little bit about the philosophy that undergirds how you approach this turbulence and what it means to still embody and and let light come in and transform some of these situations for us? Well,
3: the the first thing that I flow from is from our African American spirituality the the black church tradition and please hear me i'm not throwing any shade Um there are black churches uh, that operate out of the black church tradition and then there are churches with black people and yes. there are, those Ew. are two <laughs> critical yeah. differences yeah mm-hmm. so the black church tradition is the tradition of frederick douglas and Harriet tubman uh sojourner truth is the tradition of 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 this liberating tradition. Not not every every particular church, but but it, there is a tradition. There is a um a a path, a, a journey uh, along that 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 tradition. And in that tradition, we witnessed and viewed God very differently. Uh, yes. uh, theology is different. It is it is not European Protestant theology. The black church is not the white church in blackface.
0: Who uh, say it's that just fun. not him.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it, it's not. It's, it it sure. is not. There's this idea that, oh, we, we, you just have different songs. No, we have a different theology. Yes. We we believe in the fact that there is no sacred and secular separation. That that is comes out of our tradition. That's why, and I tell the story that, uh, uh, not in the book, but I told it a couple of Sundays ago, uh, talking about that, that we don't believe in sacred secular separation. You know, grandma might be ironing some clothes and singing a song but I remember when I was a kid, back in the day, it was uh, uh, Jack and Jill. They were to say, we're going to go see, you know, Luther. I was like, I didn't want to go see Luther. Uh, I was not, I was a hip hop fan. I, I didn't want to see Luther. Um, and DeBarge was opening up. I definitely didn't want to see DeBarge. I, I didn't like it. You know, the songs that they sang, I didn't, I didn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, didn't want to see him. But there was a young lady that I did want to see who was going. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is the tea right here. <laughs> so, 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 I'm like, I'll listen to whatever she going, I'm going, you know? And so there we are in the concert. And, and this is one of the reasons I ended up becoming a Luther fan. Um, Luther starts to sing a house is not a home. And, you know, for those who are familiar with Luther, there's, there's no other particular tenor quite like Luther Vandross in terms of what he can do with his voice. And this woman on the third row, begins to shout like she was in church, literally with mm. thank yous. Lit, I mean, she is possessed at that moment. I'm like, what's she doing? She's she, she shouting. She, that and then I realized it was a sister from my church. <laughs> like, I said, she shouts the same way <laughs> at church that she does at the concert on Friday. And that was, my introduction to understanding that I'd heard my father talk about it. The fact that when you operate out of this tradition, God is not boxed on Sunday or within the parameters of a building, but we started out worship in the, in the hush Har Arbors where the canopy was the sky, the cathedral was the ground and the rivers, and there was a deep connection. So I have to mention that, that, the spirituality of Black people, the theology of Black people, is not Barth and Niebuhr, uh, is not Martin Luther. Uh, we we have a much longer tradition that you can you know you can go to the trajectory all the way back to the Ethiopian Christian Church if you want to. Um, so that's number one. Number two is the 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 idea uh, that when you merge love and justice, which is inherent within but not exclusive to but inherent within the black church tradition that you merge the idea of love and justice so howard thurman says when black people understood that they were loved by god and they were children of god they would no longer operate off the mythology given by other people and the resistance 320 six recorded slave revolts. 321 of them started in church. Why? Because we understood the fact that we are loved by God and that we are children of God. And therefore the mythology given to us is nothing but a myth. And we want to be free of that and practice a, just as the Israelites, you know, that we want to go and worship God on a mountain, even though that we are in, in, enslaved. Um, and, and so, so that becomes so important. The love and justice aspect and love without justice is sentimentality. Justice yes. without love becomes brutality mm-hmm. or legalism. But when they're merged together, when they live together, they actually walk down the aisle, they get married, they always have two children, one child named transformation, the other child named liberation. Mm. And so it's our responsibility to live out the basis of what is the message of Jesus Christ. And it's a love and justice routine Mm. that within the Western tradition, we cast aside and make Jesus a personal savior Mm. And not a public savior. So when he's personal, you can have slaves on Monday and worship on Sunday. But when it's public and collective and love and justice is merged together, then all of a sudden you become, uh, let me just say it for for those in the back, you become like a Quaker. You said, I can't do this. Because the Quaker tradition merges that together. Mm -hmm. And the Quaker tradition in, in, in actuality is very much connected to the Black church tradition they they run parallel in many ways in terms of their function and how they see the world.
1: I, I really wanted to follow up with something you said earlier about that merging of the, the sacred and uh, the secular, so to speak in that spirituality and the black church uh, tradition. I'm, I'm just curious off the cuff. Why is it, what would be your hypothesis of why, um, that isn't more widely attributed to black spaces uh, because everything you said, I agree with, I think we agree with, but I think the face of black spirituality and when people say black church, it's none of what you just said. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that merging, that freedom, that liberation, knowing the spirit as liberator. Um, that's not the public face of black spirituality. And I'm curious as to your thoughts on why.
3: There's there's a wonderful uh, writer. Um, she wrote a book called Praising in Black and White. Uh, that's from Chicago, Chicago State, uh, was a member of Trinity, uh, Dr. Brenda, Dr. B, we call her. Um, and her dissertation, she said that the major shift and change that happens within uh, the, the, the Black church tradition uh, happens in and around essentially the 1800s, Not not just emancipation, but you know, there were free, they were free, they've always been free black folk, uh, all the time. We've been setting up institutions for quite some time. We we just didn't just, you know, pop up, you know, 1860, you know, three, yay, you know, we're here. Um we've been, we've been around. And she says organic black communities, organic black communities, uh, faith communities, when they gather together, and they practiced their worship. Their worship was in line with thousands of years of practice, uh, the possession of the spirit, uh, the call and the response. But she says, as a result of missionary action, the theology reflected whiteness, but the practice reflected blackness. Then for those who went to HBCUs, from the the Lincolns on to the Fists and other spaces that were created to educate Black people, to to help Black people to to develop and grow in all of this, uh, and even denominations like the AME Church, you then had a Black theology. In other words, Bishop Henry McNeil Turner of the AME Church. Before there was a James Cone, he said God's black. I just want y'all to know that. <laughs> just, just straight. say that. Show he And as a negro. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He just said he wants y'all to know. No, no, no. I'm not saying sociologically. I'm mm-hmm. saying God's black. Period. In the story, um, and Henry Highland Garnett and David Walker, all, Frederick Douglass. All of these people have this deep black theological framework in terms of how they see black, uh, the way in which our community is to to develop and to grow. But their liturgical practice was white. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you go to the AME church with all of its liberation, Richard Allen roots, the liturgical practice is white, Mm -hmm. meaning that the, the musicality what was called and response in the organic, which eventually becomes the, the Pentecostal stream, uh, was tamped down because that was considered to be too rural. That reminded us too much of the South because we're now in Philadelphia now. You know, we're free folks, we're in Philly. Um, we, we're tamping this down. So you have this schism and uh, Senator Raphael Warnock does a great job with it, talking about the divided, divided mind of the black church. Well, the stream that comes about is because of that. So when we gather together, when uh, organically, and our Church of God in Christ, our Pentecostal assemblies of the world, our sanctified, our holiness, those are are some of the blackest practices you ever see in your life. (laughs) I mean, you can go to a Kojic church in Mississippi and you can then fly to Ghana or Mali and see the exact same practices. Now you can go to an AME or a Baptist church or UCC, whatever, and you can hear the theology, but the practice will Mm. not be. And as a result, people got confused. They saw a practice that was African and heard a preaching that was white. Mm. And then other churches, they heard the the, the orations that were, that were black. And then they saw the practice that was white and that schism, and that, that is the reality of black people in America. And that is why Du Bois did souls of black folk talking about the double consciousness, even in our, our music and our writing and our institutions, whether you, I mean, for the fact that people who are part of, of the divine nine, Greek paternal organizations that are really african fraternal and sorority organizations that come out of the comedic system but we still use it, we still we still lift up greek and and I'm a part of alpha phi alpha but the uh, the idea is that we still utilize that terminology the schism and and that is something that every black person in north america must be able to at some point Face the schism and merge it so you no longer think that there's something demonic about your shout at Luther and Mm -hmm. something sacred about your shout in church, that they both come from the same spiritual place.
2: So I just I want to circle back because you also mentioned Howard Thurman and and, uh, him saying when black folks learn to that, that God loves them. Right. And that response. So I, I wanted to ask in in light of I mean, you have dancing in the dark, but just in light of today's turbulent times. Right. And what we see, what would. What would it look like today, holistically? Um, just if you could dream, or if you could envision, what would it look like for um, Black folks to really understand that and carry the weight of that?
3: You know, I, I think it would it would be a combination. It would be in our our music, our art, our poetry. We would move away in our entrepreneurial pursuits of framing everything from a consumer capitalist framework and frame it from a communal flourishing framework. You know, I got mine, you need to get yours. Uh that, that's what it would begin to look like. It would it would look like um where HBCUs would be. Would be funded and embraced in a different way. Where our organizations would not be dependent um upon, you know, putting up literally a, you know, <laughs> voting rights sponsored by cores. Really? Come on now. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that thing drives, drives me crazy. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, we're gonna sponsor your 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 voting rights program. You know, it's like, really? Okay. All right. Um you know, um, so, so so we then begin to have a flourishing model, a communal flourishing model, which allows us to unrestrict um, our imagination. And that's really the challenge for black people is unrestricted black imagination. It's not saying money and it, it's not theology. <laughs> Uh, it is, and, and that's the deepest of the spiritual aspects within, uh, the liberation tradition is the idea of you should, your, your, your imagination should be unrestricted. And that's what the enslavement period, colonization and white supremacy attempts to do to us, to remove from us what God gave us. When we, when God says, "I, I, I create you in your image, in my image, I'm creating you not because so you can have two hands, You know, um, God gave us the ability to imagine that no other animal on this planet has. We can conceive in our minds a city. We can conceive three generations from now. No, nothing that God has ever created is given the gift of imagination. When God says, let there be before God says, let God has already imagined what shall be. And we are given the gift of imagination. And when we unrestrict, unchain our imagination, we are the most dangerous and powerful community on the planet. Because, I mean, if you just unrestrict a little bit, we, we, we can take two turntables and a microphone and create an entire new musical genre that for poor children, they say, well, I don't have any instruments. I can't afford the guitar, but guess what? Dad, let me have some of your James Brown records. Let me find the break beat. And create something. And then, in the process of, of the DJ in 1972, if it's Cool Herc and whatnot, when he has to go to the bathroom, he passes over a mic to his friend, and his friend keeps the party going by making rhymes in the process. And now we got a billion dollar industry because of unrestricted imagination. Jazz is unrestricted imagination. Preaching is unrestricted imagination. The civil rights movement was unrestricted imagination. When black people decide that they want to operate with unrestricted imagination, we turn the world upside down. See, first and
0: foremost, Dr. Moss, we gonna have to pass a collection plate at some point during this recording really, you feel me you, you can't you can't even help it. you just you just be preaching like it is, what it is and and i'm i'm over here stuck between two worlds because when i read your book i i am uh i leave with the impression that you one of them preachers who when they say they won't be before you long that they actually mean it because you, you packed a whole lot in 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 not a whole lot of words you know what i'm saying like you got my favorite across. part Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. That was one thing because I was sitting there I was like, man, I want more of this. And Rob was like, nah, it's perfect. And and he and he right, he tends to be right when it comes to us disagreeing. Um, except about Arby's, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um but one of the one of the things um that 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 I got sidetracked from my question just now by what you just said based on this unrestrained imagination, and I'm about to get myself in some trouble because we had this conversation, people gonna think. I clawed this out for a book that I'm currently working on. Um, But this idea of uh, the imagination and reclaiming that, I have this theory that it is part of a project and what I call rehumanization, right? Like it's stripped away. Our imagination is whittled away slowly, but surely over time. And do you think there's anything to this theory I have in that part of the salvific act of God and sending the son of God, to 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 model what the, the the father would have us do is is what it means to reclaim and and re have our imagination reborn. Is it do you, do you think I'm doing too much in the theological weeds there, or is there something to uh, salvation as a rehumanization project and reuniting us with this unrestrained imagination?
3: No, you're not in the theological weeds, man. You're in a spiritual garden on that one for sure, because there's real power in that idea. Uh, so let's take the 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 Ethiopian Orthodox tradition, the Ethiopian Orthodox tradition um, is, is very different because uh, they don't have one, uh, a tradition of evangelism. You know It's all embodiment. It's all this idea of embodiment. So the way that they see humanity is very different. They say, God came in the world and attempted and I'm using kind of a translation of it attempted to teach humanity how to dance. And humans said, no, we're going to do our own dance steps. God said, cool, go on with your bad self, see what happens. Uh, And as a result, they're they're removed uh, from, from paradise. Jesus, they say, comes to teach the dance steps again. And if you choose to dance with Jesus, the process is that it not only beautifies and blesses you, but blesses everyone else. Here's the crux of this, is that even if someone doesn't join you in the dance, they're still blessed by the dance because they're somewhere near the dance floor. (laughs) And so they said, we don't need to evangelize you. I just got to dance with Jesus. And then I become what I'm supposed to become because my imagination has been released to be who I'm supposed to be that I lost at the fall, I return with Jesus. So I don't have to beat anybody over the head with a Bible. I just got to dance. I don't, I don't have to say you going to hell. I just have to dance because in my dance, when I reclaim my imagination, the residue of my imagination still falls on you. So it's kind of like, you know, when, you, when, you, when somebody cooks and even if you don't want to eat, the aroma is still going to fill the house. and 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 when you smell what they're cooking even if you don't want to eat the smell that you smell still affects your body and releases things in your body that could not have been released if you were never in the space where someone was cooking and that's and what you're saying it does that that's exactly what it is it's 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 the releasing in such a way yeah Oh, you,
1: you all not ready to so. get saved again, or y'all? I'm, I'm saying, man, is it, <laughs> is it just me? <laughs> yeah, I uh, hey, and I'm a Chicagoan, so um, the dance is important. Um, <laughs> I, I have two questions that I'm gonna try and sneak in a you know, two for one combo. Um, one, and mostly because I'm nosy, um, so <laughs> I'm curious you talk about uh, Martin Luther King jr and the books that he carried with him a lot, uh, mostly everywhere he went, especially, you know, Howard Thurman's book, uh, Jesus and the disinherited. I want to know what, what books do you carry with you? Experiences people like, Mm. what do you have in your bag, you know, either physically or hypothetically, you know, uh, metaphorically and, uh, I'm just curious about your spiritual practices and how they've shifted in the pandemic onward.
3: So mm, yeah. That's a great question. Um well hold on, hold on. I got a bag over here.
2: Okay, I'm nosy. I, look, I love when people go in their bags. <laughs> yeah.
0: The
3: man, li- literally went. In what you bag. got?
1: Yeah. Yeah. What literally. you got in your bag? Dr.
3: <laughs> Loss, in so the we bag. Know. I've got uh I have Howard Thurman. Oh, wow, manager, okay. Without a doubt, with with which is a collection in the bag. I usually always keep in a bag at some point. I literally keep see here. I'm always keeping some type of poetry. So I'm always reading poetry all I got poetry all over the place. Um, you know, in but but and then it's the stories of our, our history. Mm. There's hope in our history. Uh, the story that I, I keep with me. Uh, that I, and I love to share. I mean, I love to share Howard Thurman's story. I love Dr. King, but the person who has become and the people, people at Trinity joke on me because we went to Charleston and they, they saw the, um, uh, the, the 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 small little monument that they had of this person I love. His name's Robert Smalls, and I don't know if any of you are familiar with Robert, or your listeners, but I, I think Robert Smalls is one of the greatest heroes, thinkers. And what he did here's this deeply faithful person to his faith, but he's like, I, I don't practice that faith. That dude who enslaved me, I'm real clear on this. <laughs> That's like he don't know my Jesus. He Robert Smalls was real clear on that. He said that that I don't know. Nobody knows the Jesus that the enslaver. Matter of fact, it's not even Jesus. It's just some dude that they just decided to, that they were going to follow. Um, so for those of men that may be familiar with Robert Smalls, Robert Smalls was born in Beaufort, South Carolina. He was, he was enslaved African and Robert Smalls and his wife made the decision that they did not want Robert Smalls Jr. to be raised as property. And they decided that they were going to uh, to, to, you know, to, to run for freedom. But the way they run for freedom to freedom is, is such incredible. I know you all know the story. Uh, Robert Smalls with 11 other enslaved Africans, they steal a Confederate warship. This thing is better than oceans eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. I mean, it's, it's amazing that this guy commandeers a, a a ship and they understand that racism is ignorant and arrogant at the same time. And so black people were given shards to fix the ship, build the ship, care for the ship, <laughs> do everything, but you just couldn't have the title of captain. You had to have two white people that were always overseers. So. Robert Smalls commits to memory all of the Confederate war codes, the secret codes for the Confederacy. He commits in his mind and had been watching the quote overseers as they were carrying and cleaning the ship. He's just sitting up there, just, you know, acting, smiling, acting like he was, you know, just the boss. And he's sitting there, I'm memorizing every doggone thing you're doing. And he knew that in the evening these guys went to a red light district now for those who are listening don't know what a red light district is go ask somebody older um and so in the <laughs> evening they 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 went to the red light district and got drunk and so that's when they snuck everybody else on the ship and this is before the sun comes up and they sail it out of the charleston harbor and robert puts on a confederate outfit and stands at the bow of the ship and gives the harbor master the codes, which is basically just hand signs and, and flag signs. And the harbor master, you know, salutes him and he goes on into the harbor. But the Union forces had a blockade they were to shoot, uh, fire on any Confederate ship. And they didn't know what to do. As they were, they were sailing out. There was a Union ship that was about to fire on them. Well, Sister Small says, well, find me a white sheet, on it. And <laughs> they run a white sheet up the pole. But just like a movie, you know, the sun had just come up and this union, these union forces were about to fire, but a fog had settled and they couldn't see the flag of surrender. So they were counting. The book says that they were counting one, two, and before they got to three, the sun burned off enough, enough of the fog so they could see the, the flag of surrender. So they didn't fire. They board the ship expecting to find white people. They find all these Africans. And they're like, well, where are the white people? And Robert Smalls, he had lifted his child up uh, to the sky, one story says, and uh, thanks to God. And he says, I give this ship to Abraham Lincoln for the fight to freedom. You talking about a bad brother, I got it. So then they give the ship and he gives the war codes. So, the, so so, so the Union forces know the codes of the Confederacy. He then joins the Union Army, becomes the first African-American officer in the history of the United States. Fights for freedom. Then his family, he, ed, he sends his, his, his daughters and sons to, to school and whatnot. They move back to South Carolina. He buys the plantation, where he used to be a slave. That's a bad brother. And lets the mistress live on the property, not in the big house, small house out back. And <laughs> yeah, he does like, you can stay here, but you stay in one the little house back there, you know, in the back, I run this. And, and then he and his wife start four schools, four schools for formerly enslaved children, private black schools. Think about this, South Carolina, private black schools. He says that's not enough. And he's already now one of the wealthiest people in the state. He decides to run for Congress and he wins. Doesn't stop there. This is the thing that people miss about Robert Smalls. We normally think about the public school education coming from Horace Mann, think about Massachusetts and whatnot. But Robert Smalls pins the legislation that puts in place what we know today. As the public school system of the United States, mm. every public school you walk into is because of Robert Smalls. The brother was so bad that white people used to, you know, it was illegal to say his name in the South for years. Illegal wow. to say his name. It was there was a joke that white that white people would say you say you think Robert Smalls is is God. There, there was the joke that, that the black people would tell. And black people respond and say, well, you know, he's still young. He's got some years left, you know, (laughs) (laughs) because he was so revered that he was the most well-known heroic black figure. 99% of black people have never heard of because he was written out of history books. And what happens in Florida today? In terms of trying to write out our history, we should never want our children not to know the power of someone like Robert Smalls.
1: Mm. I love that. And the second part of my thing, I so those are, that's like the story you carry with you, which is beautiful and resonant. You know, we've been talking about these times that we're in as they evolve, like how has your spiritual life, how has it morphed? Are there barriers? How have things shifted in your pra- your spiritual practices, et cetera? I'm curious.
3: You know, I've I've grown in these times closer and closer to the uh, the practices that have been offered by Howard Thurman, the the practices that have been offered by Sam Edward Proctor, uh, Prethea Hall, uh, and and my father. This idea of uh, and I, I had to start out that I was never raised in an evangelical household. Um, so when I talk to my friends, talk about, you know, all of these kind of doctrinal things that they had to deconstruct, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, because I never had that. I, I came out of a household at a church that was rooted in the civil rights, faith, freedom struggle, and was always ecumenical. And, and so I just thought there was a black church and there was, you know, white folk who went to church and, you know, and the white folk just went on Sundays and black folk were always trying to figure out how to, you know, do something in their community, in their church. Uh, you know, I didn't know there was all these denominations and stuff. I just thought that people had different names for their churches, you know? Oh, that's the AME church. Well, that's different. denomination. I there. really? I, I just thought it was different. They had black people in it, you know? So I just thought they were the same. Um, it took me a while to figure out there was all these differences. So I come out of a tradition my friends joke with me and say, Otis, you're the Ethiopian of us. Uh, because, you know, they say that you came out of lack like, of an Ethiopian tradition. We, 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 we came out of a, a Martin Luther <laughs> tradition and we try, we try to work through our Lutherisms. Um, so these practices of not boxing God, I, I learned early on that the human vocabulary is inadequate to communicate who God is. And at best we can say like, Uh, and whenever we speak, our words barely scratch the surface and sound like babble. And that's why it's sometimes better. And within our tradition, sometimes all you can say is, "mm mm, mm," is a better theological statement than anything you could ever utter or write. Uh, That poetry in itself, that the accord, is better to communicate God's salvific glory than the words that are on top of it. And Thelonious Monk says this: says this. He says, "Music is never made with the chords; it's always the space in between. And it's in our silence is when we hear God the loudest. And and that's what I've I've learned from from Thurman." That it's the silence. It is our reconnection with the true cathedral that God designed, and known as creation. You walk, you will walk through literally uh, the woods, and you you are by still waters, um, and you are in, in the midst of what God created that no man can design. It humbles you greatly it humbles you, you 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 greatly and then you can see the imprint of god on other people it means just sitting sometimes and being quiet it means just listening to to elders and allowing music to speak in ways uh, music not not to just talking about music to speak in ways uh this was you know over time and then being able to see that because god is so vast god is so Extraordinary. I, I can. God has has spoken. Watching Akira Kurosawa, a Japanese filmmaker who did The Seven Samurai, um, and at the same time can speak through Langston Hughes' life ain't been those crystal stare. You know that 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 God's ability to utilize human artistry is endless.
0: Before Sam, Rob, and myself were podcast co-hosts. We were friends. This podcast grew out of a friendship. And honestly, it's grown into something more of a podcast. It's now a community. You can take part in that community at patreon.com slash three black men, all the way spelled out. And in that community, you'll get early access to episodes, bonus content like writings, videos, even some live conversations that you can take part in. In the event that you'd like to support us but aren't ready to commit to Patreon yet, You can submit a one-time gift via PayPal where you'll find us at three black at gmail.com. However you choose to support, we're thankful that you did. Let's get back to the show.
2: Imagination. Right. And so I I feel like the way that you preach and the way that Trey preaches, you preach to like the, the whole human, right? Uh, Like you said, in the black tradition, there's no, um, we don't separate secular from theology in a sense and the more that i find myself embracing um those things like one of my favorite books is james cone's uh spirit the blues spirituality Mm. and the blues you know what i'm saying um i really love that book and how he really ties that together and and it almost seems like the more that i um grasp that that blend those back together my imagination is, is really beginning to open up uh, and this book has really been key in like unlocking some of that it, so I, I guess my question is is that something that you um intentionally carry yourself with with do, do you see as um one of your purpose as someone who is sent to like br- liberate the imagination of people mm-hmm. um so that we can know god fully uh it, mm-hmm. Oh, wow.
3: I, I never had asked that. I, I appreciate that so very much. Uh, you know, it has been a journey for me because I, I was always a kid with, with, with an active imagination and was always trying to figure out how to take the imaginative aspect, uh, develop that and um, create something that wasn't just you know, you know, funny or entertaining, but something that would be meaningful, and I and and the imagination aspect probably was sparked by my sister and my father uh, and my grandmother. Uh, grandmother was a great storyteller. Uh, my sister was a poet and introduced me to jazz. My father was uh, was, 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 was a preacher. Uh, my mother was, uh, worked, uh, was Mary Kay entrepreneur. And, uh, they used to have to sing these songs. You know, I'm just like a little kid in the back and they, she'd have these meetings and they're like, we got this Mary Kay feeling down in our feet, down in our feet. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Singing songs to, to be able to, to connect with selling, uh, this not product. But my, I would hear my mom over here said, no, we're not selling a, a, a product, we're selling an idea, you know, that, you know, that we, we have to change the imagination that, that women can be entrepreneurs. That's what we want to be able to do. So I was around it all the time. I didn't really, you know, you, you, asking that question actually got me to reflect. I didn't really thought um, about that, but I, I feel comfortable and, and feel it's my calling that it's more than doctrine. It's more than the personal. And it's not just social justice. That there is a line that runs through. That's the way my mind works, my spirit works. I mean, we can talk about music and then I can jump over, and talk about comics. We can go to theology and we can talk quantum physics. I mean we can do that all- don't threaten me I- with I- a <laughs> dead time Dr. I was- I was- no, I'm, I'm really fine with those things. That's the way my mind works because I think that there's a Stream around all of those aspects for us to deepen, 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 deepen our relationship with God. I said on Sunday in a sermon that I uh, was doing called "Leading with a Limp, talking about uh, Jacob um, when he's wrestling with, uh, with 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 God. That and I opened the story talking about, and I changed the names to protect the innocent uh, of a young man by the name of Devante who I was swimming, learning swimming lessons with. And we were all learning the shallow end. And when it came to going to the deep end, we all went in the deep end. But Devonte said, I ain't going. Uh, I'm staying in the shallow end. I, I said, but Devante, you know all the story. He said, I don't care what I know. I can swim and I'm gonna stay over here in the shallow end. Um, but it took his brother to throw him into the deep end for him to practice what he had learned in the shallow end. And I just believe that most of us have shallow end spirituality and kiddie pool uh, church experience and we've never gone into deep water and we're afraid of the deep water because we can't our feet can't touch the bottom and that's what bothers people we want absolute answers we want to tell people god's coming tomorrow at three o'clock you don't know that. Shut up. You know, you don't know that. Um, we, we want to be absolute in reference to, I know you're going to hell and I know you're going to heaven. Shut up. You don't know. You're not God. Um, you know, just oh, go talk. ahead and be embody the love of Jesus Christ and everything that you do. Um, uh, and there's an absolute, absolute certainty is the enemy of deep spirituality. Yeah.
0: <laughs> God, most um, first and foremost, thank you. I'm, I'm sitting here struggling um <laughs> to find words and everything uh, because of the ways that uh, you have spoken um to, to very deep parts of of myself and my faith here. I'm I'm sitting here imbibing what I'm not even sure you intended to be affirmations, but things that I absolutely needed to be affirmations in this setting, right? Um. I, I have a bunch more questions that I could ask you, but at this juncture, all of my questions would, would just be noise at the end of all the knowledge that you've been dropping. Um, so what I want to do is give you one last opportunity, if, if there is a final word or blessing that you would like to leave for the people. And by the people, I mean us. Um, the other people can listen. Right. we, am <laughs> no, people. I'm <laughs> people.
3: Yeah, it's, it's me, it's me, I'm it's, it's us, We people.
0: the
1: people, oh. yes.
3: Yeah, we the people, right, oh, right. But first, Trey, oh. I've got to find out what chair you are in because you are in the, the gamer of gamer chairs that you are sitting over there in the racer chair, man. I was yeah. like, are you a
0: gamer? I'm not, I'm just calling You're jealous. <laughs>
3: <laughs> For those who, yeah. they're listening, you got to see Trey is like, you know, it's, it's like he is Captain Kirk in Star Trek. He's got this major piece. <laughs> And he's got yeah. a spinning. It's like the 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 major gamer chair. Man, it's got to be. Real. It that was is, like, I
0: got to get one. i have like
3: rigged my chair, man. This thing. You no, know, they they hooked it up. Do nothing.
0: The 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 church the church admin. Uh, she really loved me because she looked at the chair I had. She was like, "No, nah, we got to get something better for you." And then and this one came in. And I said, "Hey, you know what?" You. It may not come when you want to, but you're right on time is what, what I received in the spirit when I unpacked and assembled this chair right here. It's, it's done me well. If, if it reclines
3: and everything. It's it's real good. Oh yeah. I'm like, "What are you doing? You games?" I like, ah, man, I saw Reverend Trey. Man, he had it right here. I'm 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 rolling with this from now on. You know, <laughs> My lord. <laughs>
0: But I did want to give you an opportunity. There, if there is any final word, it can be as as mm-hmm. as as brief as you would like it to be, because I I told you you got a gift for for packing a whole lot of heat and a little bit of words or whatever that is. Um
3: you know what's fascinating about being in this conversation is is I think that the three of you, uh not unlike the the three wise men, uh, that you are the ones that come and who honor who honor Jesus with your, your unique gifts. And in the process you return back to Africa um, as three wise men do. And you, you spread a powerful, powerful message for, for people who are trying to figure this thing out. Um, There's so many people who love Jesus and can't stand the church and and we need to to nurture and embrace that community there's so many people who uh we live in an algorithm that is hostile to spirituality uh unless it's spirituality that can be used for your own personal growth financial growth so uh people who are functioning in a personal financial growth oh yeah you that that algorithm in social media work real well for you and and people are affirming and whatnot um we're living in a strange strange time my father said this and i will pass this on um when someone asked him said you know it seems to be such a challenging moment in history it seems like things are getting worse and all and all of that and and here is a person who was jailed and was a part of the atlanta sit-in movement organizer for SCLC, uh, and as quiet as he is, he just just knew all these historical people. And he, he said to the young person, he said, um, in your time, in your space, you are called to do good. And that is all you can do. And you pass it on to the next generation who in their time, in their space, They are called to do good and we don't measure progress by the moment we measure it as our indigenous brothers and sisters say seven generations from now will our children's children's children be able to say that in our time in our place we did good or did we remove ourselves from the responsibility of doing the work that God has called us to do? Every Morehouse student, when they enter into the chapel at Morehouse, at some point we will hear the dean say to each of them, God places a crown above your head that you will spend the rest of your life growing tall enough to wear. And the dean would then look at the rest of us, Dean Carter, and then he'd say, Young men, I hope you will be taller tomorrow. And that's all we can do. Be a little taller tomorrow. You'll never wear the crown. But in your time, In your place, you are called, we are all called to do good. Amen.
0: Amen. Dr. Moss, thank you so much for your time. Um, This was such an enriching experience. If you are listening to this and have not yet um, got your hands on a copy of Dancing in the Darkness, Spiritual Lessons for Thriving in Turbulent Times, I'm I'm gonna skip the shame on you part and just encourage you to go ahead and rectify that situation. Get your hands on this book right here, right now. And um, Dr. Moss, go ahead and tell the people where we can connect with
3: you. Uh, You can connect with me at Trinity United Church of Christ on Instagram. Uh, On Instagram, it's at Otis Moss III. Otis Moss the third, essentially. On Twitter, uh, if you're part of the Twitterverse and you like to fuss. Uh, at Open Three uh, where you can check, uh, or Facebook. But Trinity United Church of Christ is is the community, uh, the village that that I call home, that I love, right here on the South Side of Chicago. We're trying to do uh, the best we can with what we have, and just offer a little bit of beauty, blessing, and transformation in the corner that we have been given. And if you're ever in Chicago, you know, you know, come and check us out on Sunday. We're, we're just trying to do our best like everybody else. And in our time and in our space, we're just trying to do good uh, for, for the God that we serve.
0: We appreciate you rocking with us for another episode of Three Black Men. Here's the part of the show where we ask a favor from you. Now, earlier I mentioned a couple of ways that you can support us by joining our community over at patreon.com slash Men. We have multi-tiered support options, and you can get bonus content. If you don't want to do that, you can submit a one-time contribution by finding us on PayPal at 3 at gmail.com. But we ain't here to tap your pockets. Here's a few ways that you can help us out without spending a single dime. You can stop what you're doing right here, right now, and make sure that you've left us a review and a rating. Don't just give us the five stars. Go ahead and write out how much you love this show and tell everybody about it. Do it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you at. Make sure you leave that rating and a review. And that's going to help even more people join the fun over here. Thank you so much. I knew God loved you for some reason.